Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Scott Chasen. This is a replay of WIBW show, The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com, and the man not even in the same studio as me, mm. is Scott Chasen. Ch- Chasen, I didn't even want to come see you today. Yeah. I didn't feel up to it. I just didn't want to see you. Well, hey, Fitz Sorry. is playing hurt today. That's a that's a big credit to Fitz. <laughs> we talk about athletes doing that all the time, and now Fitz is the one doing it. Very impressive. Yeah, my, I had a little abdominal surgery, and I kind of feel like my stomach went through a coach's handshake line with Juwan Howard. <laughs> that's good. Slap. You can interact with us. On social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on twitter at the drive 13 and of course answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our twitter page and remember if you ever miss an episode of the drive you can listen to an audio only version that appears each monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com and we start things off with our two-minute drill the two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's your work boot center. Well, Scott, the selection committee came out with their top 16 NCAA tournament teams on Saturday and the Jayhawks were slated as a one seed. Not a surprise to me. Do you think Kansas looks like a one seed right now? Well, Fitz, I think that's a great question because it's almost two different things, right? Are you a one seed and do you look like a one seed? Because I think on resume, yes, Kansas is a one seed. As of yesterday, Kansas was tied for the lead in the nation in quadrant one wins. Kansas does not have a bad loss. Kansas lost to Dayton earlier this year. Turns out Dayton's actually a pretty good team. That's a quadrant two loss. There are four quadrants, as the name would suggest. So resume-wise, Kansas sits in a good spot. Depending on where you look, Kansas has a top five strength of schedule. Even though they played an easier non-conference schedule, playing in the Big 12 certainly helps with that. So when, when I look over this Kansas resume, I see the number four offense in the nation, a top 30 defense, and I say, yeah, absolutely. This is ab- a number one seed. And in fact, Joe Lenardi moved them up to being his third uh, one seed instead of the fourth one where they were at when the committee had their reveal. Now, let's answer the question, does Kansas look like a one seed? Because I- I'd almost say the answer is no at this point, just because Kansas is still figuring out how it wants to play and, and finding that consistency that we've talked about on this show. Kansas has some exceptional wins this year. I wrote them down. You can read them off. Michigan State, Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas swept OU, OSU, Iowa State. Kansas won at K-State, which is kind of a deceptively tough game this year, especially lately how hard Kansas State has been playing. So Kansas has no shortage of wins. But as we've talked about, Kansas hasn't necessarily been in a position to win five straight great games in a row or something that you would need to do, even as a one seed, to go far in the tournament. 
I think this Kansas team probably plays at the quality of a two or a three seed in most years, but in this year, things are a little bit more open. I mean, Auburn lost again. Auburn has dropped a couple games, doesn't necessarily have the schedule toughness or some of the, the quality wins that Kansas has racked up along the way. And I know for Jayhawk fans, there was maybe even some surprise that when that bracket reveal came out, Kansas was ahead of Kentucky, a team that won huge in Allen Fieldhouse. But again, you, you've got to remember the committee's looking at resumes. The committee is going to be a lot more inclined to think sort of more analytically than I test now. And Kansas has a good schedule. Kansas has won most of its games. Kansas is leading the Big 12 by multiple games. That gets you a one seed, and I think that's why Kansas is in that position. There's no doubt in my mind they're a one seed, and I'm sure anyone consistently plays at that level this year. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of be one of those years where everyone kind of scraps and tries to get what they can, and Kansas is doing a pretty good job of that. Yeah, definitely no Gonzaga and Baylor like last year where it, it kind of felt like two teams and everyone else. Well, Fitz, Kansas State beat West Virginia on Monday, but then lost lost Saturday in overtime at Oklahoma State. The Wildcats are now 14-12 overall, 6-8 in the Big 12. Assess what this week did for Kansas State's season. Well, it's very interesting. Winning at Fort Worth would have been very advisable for the chances of getting in the NCAA tournament. And they can still get there, don't get me wrong. But at 6-8 in the Big 12, you're looking at two home games, two road games, and those road games are in Lawrence and Lubbock. So those are really tough games. That puts a premium on protecting that home court against Iowa State and Oklahoma the next two Saturdays. They have to win those games, Scott, and then they probably have to go to Kansas City and pick up a couple more wins. Because you can't just split the, the four and then lose in Kansas City because your overall record at that point will be one game above 500, and that's not getting in. Right now, for K-State, collecting enough wins is a premium. They've got to go out and find those wins. What's interesting is they did have a game that uh, got canceled earlier in the year, and they have an opening on their schedule, and now there's some teams out there actually scrambling to try to schedule those leftover games that might be on the bubble. BYU is looking for an opponent. I am curious to find out if Kansas State might look at playing a team like BYU in a hastily scheduled game, maybe even in Kansas City on the Tuesday before the Big 12 tournament. I'm not sure how they'd work it out, but if you're K-State, you need every win you can get right now, and if you could get a win over another bubble team, you might lose. That would really help out your cause. I'll be fascinated to see if K-State wants to dig in and try to do that. All I know is they need at least three more wins to get on the bubble and probably four more wins to get into the conversation of playing in the NCAA tournament. And that is going to take a lot of work for these Wildcats, which continue to be a little bit too inconsistent to get you where you need to go. And if you're a K-State fan, you got to be a little frustrated. Saturday's loss really stung. Yeah. Fitz, I actually really like the bubble idea, and it kind of comes down to a philosophy that I have. Maybe you share. If you are a bubble team, why put it in the hands of a committee or someone else? I'm trying to put it in my hands, even if it means scheduling a hard game you could lose. I actually think that could be a great idea for Kansas State. No, I think it'd be a really wise thing if they could work out. Maybe not BYU, but there's other teams in this predicament with a game to schedule, and they also need another one. We'll see what happens. Well, Scott, let's talk a little more about the selection committee. The Big 12 had four teams revealed in the top 16, including Baylor as the top number two seed. Does that seem right 
for the Cowboys. It's, I was a little surprised that Texas Tech wasn't a touch higher, but again, and I'm just going to keep going back to this really in the weeks to come, you have to remember it's resume versus you know how good is a team and, and head-to-head, which doesn't really get considered. Again, Kansas was ranked above Kentucky. Big 12 has four teams in the top 16, like Fitz said. Baylor was the top number two seed. They're number five overall. Texas Tech was number 10 overall. That's a three seed. And Texas was the bottom four seed. They were number 16 overall. And I think those are the right four teams. I really don't know how you could argue with it uh, to have in the Big 12. And, and each of them have kind of a, a cool argument of why they deserve to be where they are. Baylor is tied with Kansas in terms of quadrant one wins with nine. Now they have Uh, an extra loss, but they don't have any bad losses. They've got a top 25 strength of schedule. That's a great resume to be a two seed. Now, Baylor's also injured, right? Baylor is down Jonathan uh, Chamwa Chachua, one of their big men who plays uh, about half the time kind of in that rotation at the, the five spot. And then they're down right now a leading scorer. So the current Baylor team, the one that Kansas walloped, uh, in Lawrence, that's not the Baylor team that started the year that many people thought, you know, could be one of the best two or three teams in the nation, could be a national title contender. We've got to see if Baylor gets healthier and what they look like. Texas Tech is excellent, obviously, number two defense in the nation, depending where you look. If you look at Ken Palm, that's who has him at number two. Uh, I think there's no question they're a three seed, and I think there's no question they would be a three seed that if you had in your region, you'd be a little bit upset. You'd say, this team is is pretty good for a three seed, especially their quality wins. And then Texas, Texas has beaten Kansas. Texas has a win over Tennessee, uh, an impressive win, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Uh, And Texas has a top 10 defense too. So Fitz, to me, there are lots of Big 12 teams you'd want to avoid, but I think those four are the best in the conference. I don't think you can argue that. Um, And right now, I have no problem with Baylor ahead of Texas Tech, although I kind of think Texas Tech might be better than Baylor. Yeah, I. It's hard to argue with that. Those two teams are so comparable. I, I'm wondering if Baylor's not getting a boost simply because they're the defending national champion. Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting a little, little lift out of that, but uh, some really good teams in this conference. There's no doubt about it. For sure. Now let's take a look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors, love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question was, when will Bruce Weber have his last game as K-State coach? And we look at the results this season, 44%. Most people, or I guess the the most popular response, say this season. Next season, 20% of the votes. And after next season, still about a third of people, 36%, saying Bruce Weber will be hanging on for a little bit. I wonder if that number, that 36% represents optimism that he will get the program going again or pessimism that he's never going to be removed. (laughs) It could be either one. Fair. Here's this week's question. Does KU basketball deserve a one seed this year? Um, The two answers are A, yes, B, no. Pretty simple things there to pick from. Vote on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. You can reply if you have an answer that does not fall into A, yes, or B, no. <laughs> I think that's the way to go. Well, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, and we will, but we will be right back with more on KU and K-State on the Drive. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to The Drive as we continue our weekly two-minute drill. The two-minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Scott, David McCormick and arguably has had his best game of the season against West Virginia. What do you make of how the big man is playing right now? Well, Fitz, David McCormick is quietly kind of doing what he did last year. And by that, I mean he's, he's just playing at a, a really high level and he's kind of found, found a stride here in the back half of Big 12 play. You know, Fitz, the, the Kentucky game, I think, was the one where fans maybe lost some confidence in David McCormick. He had played well against Oscar Shibway before, and he came out and said he was excited about playing a National Player of the Year candidate. Really didn't show up that way, but uh, since that Kentucky game, six games since, I'm going to read off some stats for David McCormick. He had a 14.14 rebound double-double, 9.8 rebounds the next game, probably his worst in that time, 16.7 rebounds, 11.4 rebounds, 12 points, 12 rebounds, 19 points, 11 rebounds. That, those are pretty good numbers. Those are averages of about 14 points, nine and a half rebounds, and a block and a half. He shot 60% or better in half of those games in that span. So he's been efficient. He's gotten numbers. Most importantly, he's gotten rebounds. Rebounding has been an issue for David McCormick, especially defensive rebounding. But it's almost been to the point where the Jayhawks are inarguably better uh, defensive glass defensively and really on the offensive end uh, when they have David McCormick in there. I did think this game, 19 points, 11 rebounds for Dave, even though he got a few easy buckets late with the game out of reach. I did think it was his best game of the year, and I think most promising, you know, I mentioned that stretch he had to end last year. He was averaging 16 points, 7 rebounds from basically the end of January until that final game against USC. He was banged up. 16-7, and seven, shooting 57% from the field. Now he's giving you 14-10, and 10, the block and a half. I don't think that's anything to complain about. He's over 50% more often than not. But here's the thing, and I know any KU fans listening will say, I- I've seen this story before. David McCormick trends up, and then he trends right back down. And to that I say, you're absolutely right. And I cannot argue uh, with the inconsistency of David McCormick. In fact, he's been incredibly up and down really over his entire KU career. It's been hard to feel comfortable relying on him. But I'd say his last, last six games, he's been pretty darn good. He hasn't really had a bad game in that span. And I think he's kind of deserved the the slack here to say, I'm going to wait for David McCormick to have an off night or have another bad game before I start expecting him to kind of revert back to that form. Keep in mind he's playing hurt. I think he's done enough to earn a little bit of confidence right now because he is playing pretty well. Yeah, I didn't catch much of that game, but when David McCormick's good, all of Kansas gets much better if they get that solid post play. I've said it over and over. Mm-hmm. To do what they need to do, they got to have that post presence. Yeah, and, and you know Bill Self wants to play that way uh, as well. Well, Fitz, in our first K-State segment tonight, uh, you discuss what the Wildcats need to do to get into the NCAA tournament. Now here's a bigger question. It's similar to what we talked about earlier with the Jayhawks. Fitz, are the Wildcats deserving of an NCAA tournament bid? Well, if I keep this answer narrow like the KU question, no, they're not deserving of a number one seed. I feel confident of that. I feel very confident of that. Now, the bigger question, do they belong in this field? There's a number of ways you can look at this, Scott. Number one being the fact that there are a lot of conferences out there struggling. 
The ACC is not very good this year. Neither is the Pac-12. The SEC is okay. We saw them play pretty good basketball in the Challenge Series with the Big 12. But really, the Big 10 and Big 12 are going to get in almost everyone they want to get in. That means Kansas State could get in if they can take care of business. They can get enough wins to get there. Because every win in this conference has that little extra special sauce on it that the committee wants because apparently only good teams play in the Big 12. That old Miss loss just kind of lingers like a wart. It's, it's a big old rotten tomato at the county fair. I don't know why I said that, but that's my metaphor. I'm <laughs> I, I just, I, I cannot figure out how they lost that game to Ole Miss. It put themselves in a position where winning at Stillwater became almost a must do. I think this team has enough talent to be in the NCAA tournament. They have three really good guards. And Mike McGurl, uh, fourth guard, is playing at a high level lately and is really helping them out. They're not getting much participation or much help from their big men, but that's okay. On, In terms of how they match up with other opponents that might get into the NCAA tournament, they would match up with some of these teams. They, they would know how to play against teams that highly seeded. If they're coming in as, say, a 10 or 11 seed, they, they will be playing a single seed and they'll have a tough challenge. But they do that every night in the Big 12. I would be comfortable as for K-State as a tournament team, but they still have to do that work. They still have to prove to me that they can protect their home court, that they can maybe win two in Kansas City, which is a daunting task. Winning two, if you don't have, if you're not playing on that first day, means you're making it to the championship. So if they do those things, Scott, I'll be perfectly comfortable with saying they belong in the tournament. Right now, I'm not sold yet. They got some more pitching to do uh, to convince the tournament committee. Well, if it's the way I like to do it, it's to go the opposite way, right? If I'm the two seed and I'm looking down, I see K-State as my 10, I'm a little upset. I'm saying that team's a little bit battle-tested. I'd rather play someone a little bit lighter than that. So from that perspective, I almost think K-State at least deserves a shot. Yep, I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And now let's step out of bounds. And Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Well, Fitz, it's never too early to look ahead. And the early 2022 NFL odds have the Chiefs, Bills, and Rams as the Super Bowl favorites, with the 49ers right behind. In your mind, are those the top four NFL teams going into next year? Ah, uh, yeah. You know, at this point, all Vegas is doing is sticking some numbers out there trying to get the easy money to bet. Mm-hmm. You're a Chiefs fan. Yeah, we're going back to the Super Bowl, and they'll, they'll bet down no matter what it is. Um, and that's all this is about. I do like that, and I do like the fact, Scott, that we can look at um, what's going on in the NFL right now and not point to an obvious favor, not point and say it is the Chiefs. It's certainly not the Rams or Bengals. Maybe it's the Bills. Maybe they're actually the best team. But that's the point is you do have to sort through it. You don't have a Tom Brady or a Manning brother or, you know, anyone that just kind of sets their team apart from everyone else right now. Patrick Mahomes could be in that conversation, but back-to-back losses in that AFC championship doesn't bode too well for uh, how he's viewed as a sure thing because they haven't been a sure thing the last few years. I don't know, Scott, I'm not going to argue about anyone's odds because it's way too early to be posting odds. They're just after your money. I hate to tell you that. 
<laughs> well, Fitz, I think another point of this too, we don't know how it's all going to shake out, right? Aaron Rodgers could go to the Denver Broncos and now we're talking about that, you know, right. Tom, Tom Brady could make a comeback and now everything's a little different. So I, I agree it's too early. I think that's probably the right group. I, I think teams like the Bengals still, even though they just made it, I think still it's hard to get back their consistency uh, or consistently as the, the Chiefs are learning as well. Uh, now let's yeah, hear from absolutely. the fans. And our fan question this week is, will the college football playoff ever expand? That is from Jack in Topeka, and that is for Fitz. I, you know what? I hope so. I, I'm not seeing it. Now they're talking about putting it off for the next five years or whatever the remaining contract has. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some contractual things that are a little bit limiting. If they try to expand the contract right now, ESPN has the right of first refusal. And I think some conferences are like, well, we probably need to look around a little bit more than that instead of giving them an extended contract. I would like to see it sooner, but I would also like to see it without ESPN being the absolute sure bet to get the contract. So I can't have both. You have to wait for the bidding to open up after the end of the contract if you really want to get there. But um, I think it will expand eventually. Right now, there's a lot of politics going on, and it's very frustrating for a fan fan base across the nation in college football that really just wants more playoff games. They want more good stuff mm-hmm. and the game won't give it to them. It's a little bit ironic. Eventually, I agree it'll get there. Frustrating now that the thing that's best for the fans isn't, and the sport isn't the thing that's obviously taking place. Well, remember to ask us. Yeah. Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. And now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the drive 13. Here are last week's results, adding in the results from the big game. It's called the Super Bowl. <laughs> the viewers went four and oh. What the heck? Who invited them in? Mm. Scott and I went two and two each. Now, I mean, look at that. The viewers, viewers are tied with me, Scott. They've caught you. They've caught you, Fitz. Here. Oh, man, I'm emotional now. Kansas plus two and a half at Baylor, you say. Fitz, I'll take Kansas. This is a dangerous one. Baylor has had a lot of success against Kansas, especially at home. This will be interesting. I'm going with an animal theme here. I got the Bears. (laughs) Well, next, Iowa State plus two and a half at K-State. Fitz. I got the Wildcats, another (laughs) animal. I will take Iowa State. Okay, final pick of the week as we're going with Auburn has a pick at Tennessee. I got the Tigers. It's an animal. <laughs> Fitz, I will go opposite. I'll take Tennessee. Good defensive team. Yep, very good. Make your picks on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. And now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One. By local, of course, strong local community. Scott, take it away. Well, 
Fitz, something I saw today was the Juwan Howard incident at the end of the Wisconsin game. I wanted to just spend a quick second talking about that, as you can see the video. Look, Juwan Howard made a whole bunch of excuses after the game. He said Greg Gard called a timeout he didn't like. Greg Gard touched him first or whatever. Juwan Howard took a swing at another coach. This is not the first time he's fought another coach. He tried to fight Mark Turgeon. I think there are only so many times where you can kind of get away with doing that. He's going to face a suspension. He will be suspended for a long time. Juwan Howard has to be more mature. He has to be the adult in the room because uh, this kind of stuff is not acceptable. But who among us has not wanted to fight Mark Turgeon at some point? (laughs) That was was a K-State comment. That's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We will see you next week right here and all week on social media.